Welcome to HSBC Talks Business, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening. And now on to today's show. Good afternoon and good morning and a very warm welcome to all of our panelists today. My name is Andreas Bock, and I'm the head of HSBC's global liquidity and cash management business in Europe, based out of Germany. I've been working for HSBC for 20 years in various relationships and client management roles in Asia, as well as in Europe. I'm pleased to be moderating our Europe series for Asia-Pacific corporates. Let me introduce you now to our panelists, who will be sharing their views on treasury transformation in Europe with us today. We're delighted to have Guillaume Mollo, European treasurer for Thai Union, with us. Guillaume joined Thai Union in 2009, where he has been working in treasury and consolidation functions, covering several roles and has become the European treasurer in 2018. Guillaume comes with a wealth of experience in FX, cash flow and debt management, as well as managing projects focused on cash concentration and working capital optimization. Next to Guillaume, I'm welcoming Michel Zakin, who leads our HSBC propositions and commercialization team for continental Europe. Michel has more than 12 years of experience in the cash management world. Finally, with us today is also Donatien Mellet. Donatien is director in our HSBC Global Trade and Receivables Finance team in Europe. He has over 17 years of experience in banking as a relationship manager and as a working capital management specialist. He has been working in Europe, Asia, and North America. So welcome again to all of you. So let's get it started. Europe is a distinct geography with local market practices and with the unique regulatory environment that has strongly contributed to making it a single market with SEPA, which is a single Euro payments area. Where creating efficiency, streamlining processes and optimizing working capital has consequently been a strong driver, this framework has motivated corporate organizations to set up shared service centers and payment factories when appropriate. As an emerging trend, we can see corporates addressing their end-to-end supply chain from a sustainability angle as well. And in this overall context, managing cash flows effectively, whilst at the same time optimizing working capital as best as possible, requires appropriate tools, processes, and solutions. So let me ask you the first question today, Donatien. Maybe we can start with what you see as Europe's distinct characteristics that an Asian corporate would be aware of in order to operate efficiently from a working capital perspective. Thank you, Andreas, and uh, good afternoon, good, good morning to, to the audience. So maybe as a starting point, I, I would like to say that, you know, historically corporates are focused on optimizing their working capital. So this is not new. Work from a consultant firm like Stone & Stewart in the U.S. have been pioneer to understand the direct link between uh, economy value added from your company and how much working capital can be stuck in your business. So the better a company or you manage your working capital, the more you increase the value of your company. You can summarize it in an even more shorter version of it. So cash is king, even more today. Now, if we focus on, on Europe as a trading block, so this is still the largest trading block globally, but there's also a strong link into Asia. If you look at statistics in 2020, 44% of all EU import came from Asia. And then the, the AU import was second with 31%. And focusing on the exports, 37% of all exports from Europe goes to Europe, but then 30% goes to Asia. So 
the point here is Asia and Europe are very close, and also there is a huge amount of interregional flows that will uh, create massive um, working capital optimization for our clients. And currently, HSBC is present in all major European countries, which position us ideally to support our Asian client investing in the region. What we see as well at the moment is a trend to organize a company in RTC Regional Treasury Center uh, through to leverage on broad common market, but while targeting synergies and cost reduction. And in this context, as a bank, we see also a lot of pan-European solution available for our client, and this is booming. I'm talking about receivable finance, supply chain finance, mm -hmm. which we have implemented with our Asian client in the pharma, telecom, consumer good, or even services sector. And the second main ask from our client is the need for more digital solution. Clients are looking for more digital. They want to integrate solution into their ERP to generate better reporting, better cash forecasting. And also there is a trend uh, in, in more partnership with FinTech. So banks are more and more working with FinTech to offer the best digital solution to our clients. Yeah, thank you, Donasia. Um, Guillaume, how does this resonate with you, what Donasia just reflected on? I just have to, uh, to introduce a little bit the investment of Thai Union in, uh, in Europe. Um, when Thai Union involved in, uh, in the European market in 2010, uh, the group was already established in Asia and US. Um, the investment in Europe was motivated by the, by the idea to be based in a huge market and through a strong brand as we have in France, um, Petit Navire, in UK, uh, John West, uh, and in uh, Italy, Mare Blue. Uh, from a treasury point of view, or from a cash point of view, um, from the very beginning, the treasury function was already centralized in Paris, even before Italian come and invest, you know, in, uh, in the European market. And it was, of course, an advantage. Uh, Italo, us to establish a privileged relationship between the cash center in Bangkok and the cash center in Paris at this time. Uh, it was very helpful, you know, to be aligned, quickly aligned on the financing question, uh, on the working capital question, which is going to be one of the main topics of this uh, conversation, and um, on the, you know, different projects that we were supposed to manage. So from the very beginning, we're aligned, like, you know, edging, cash centralization, and all that um, different topics. Uh, for this, for, for example, you know, the, during the last two years, we have faced uh, some challenges with the pandemic. Of course, we are involved in the food industry. So the impact was more question of um, finished good or raw material um, inventories. And for this point, uh, we have, you know, the, the question was balanced between the the idea to still optimize the cash, um, I mean, the working capital, and to make sure that we were not out of stock because from the very beginning of the um, lockdown, uh, of course, the demand was very, very high and we, we get some risk to be out of stock. So it's some kind of conversation with, uh, with the Treasury Center in Bangkok, and it's easier, you know, to, to, to get two different centers to be quickly aligned on, this, uh, on those different topics. Great. So with this quick tour de raison of Europe 2020, you have set the scene quite nicely here, Guillaume. So what we hear from our clients is the focus on leveraging new opportunities in Europe. 
So looking ahead into the rest of 2021 and slightly beyond, Donatien, where do you see the scope of optimization? Would you say that the challenge is still to unlock cash and accelerate the cash conversion cycle? Yeah, you're right, Andres. So more than ever, you know, cash is strapped in your business. If you look at the Euler Hermes recent survey, cash conversion cycle have increased globally by five business days, which represent a funding requirement of eight trillion US dollar globally, and that it has increased by 140 billion US dollar these five business days. So this is likely to be funded by bank debt today or equity. So now in the context, while business have been impacted by COVID, like, you know, in Europe, like any other part of the world, European government have implemented strong financial support. As an example, I mean, uh, the French uh, government put a 300 billion scheme uh, to support loan covered by, you know, government guarantee in France. So this has helped company bridge the short-term gap, but we expect that refinancing will occur through more traditional working capital facilities. So what our clients are doing now, they are prioritizing and using, using tools to assess their working capital uh, optimization. So what can they do? First, peer group analysis. You can compare yourself in your industry. How do you, how do you position it versus your peers, versus your competition? So they are establishing dashboard to track progress because you can only make progress if you can track those progress. But also they are looking at their payment process and the internal process. How can I improve my process internally? All successful working capital optimization projects have a common theme, and this is the necessity to onboard uh, multiple stakeholders, from treasury for sure, sales, IT, procurement, legal, a lot of different people have to be on board, and they could be sometimes located in different jurisdictions. To our organization within HSBC with two main hubs, London and Paris, we are working with numerous clients on European solution. I mentioned receivable finance and supply chain finance. It combines the need of reducing cash cycle with the requirement to reduce costs in treasury function. And this is also there is definitely a, read, a, a rapid need to change operational process to uh, facilitate those, those optimization. The saving can be obtained, saving can be obtained, and then you can reinvest those savings into the digital journey that I mentioned. Many of our clients are using those cash, those cost savings to invest in more digital solution to even increase their, their, their journey on that, on that working capital optimization. So we have on the ground team of experts that are more likely to support you on this journey. So maybe Guillaume, perhaps you can give you a sense of the initiative you have achieved in the region and what benefits you have realized. Yes, I get the question. Thank you. Uh, I, I was saying that um, in Europe, we try to implement both solutions, uh, reverse factoring and factoring. Um, but what I can say is today only the receivable are factored because uh, we didn't face a good appetite to the reverse factoring solution with our supplier. But um, in France, in UK, and in Italy, uh, we are glad and you know, we get the opportunity to, uh, to open this factoring program. Uh, we are planning to open it in Germany as well, Norway and Poland, maybe Netherlands. So we want to, uh, to extend this program. Uh, of course, from the beginning, the first motivation is the working capital optimization, the possibility to decrease the assets. That's the first point. But not only, uh, not only uh, for us, it was also, you know, an opportunity to, to vary the source of financing. Uh, actually, today, the financing was coming from our uh, holding company in Thailand. 
And with the factoring, it was the opportunity, you know, to, to, to get our own sources from uh, European banks. And it was a good point. The only one, as the lesson said, it was the opportunity to get a better view on the cash forecast. Uh, of course, with the factoring impact, and I think I know it will be the case with the reverse factoring, but with the factoring, we know and we, we, we get a better view on the cycle of the cash collection. And this is a very good point uh, to, uh, to drive the cash at book level. Um, of course, a factoring program, it's, um, it's a project. It's a huge project, uh, which is going to involve much more than treasury. Uh, it's going to involve other departments, as legal department, IT department, and local team, uh, accounting local team. Um, its project could be long, uh, by the way, and then the management of the program on a day-to-day basis could be considered by local team as a time consumer. Cannot judge. Uh, it could be, um, it, it's a point of view, and I'm showing this point of view, actually. But what I can say today, it's uh, with the three um, programs that we have already opened at the group level in Europe, um, um, we are satisfied with the existing, you know, with, with the way we are managing it and the advantage uh, which is giving to us in the, in the cash management. Thank you, Guillaume. Um, cash management uh, and trade, as we've learned, are complementary in the context of working capital management. So what are your thoughts on this, Michel? Well, Andreas, I would completely agree. They actually go hand in hand. And for example, if we look at our supply chain financing and commercial cards, they're really quite complementary. And often our teams are in discussions together with customers as they look to see how they can extend the DPO, that is to say, the day's payment outstanding, or help suppliers uh, shorten their DSO, day's sales outstanding. Um, so let me uh, elaborate and in a few words, actually. Virtual cards provides not only better control and disbursements, but can also improve and consolidate the relationship with suppliers, which is really very important. Of course, cards cannot replace traditional financing mechanisms, but if targeted to the right buyer-supplier relationship, the interest-free period of, of, of financing of up to 120 days on a virtual card program can really capture benefits across the tail end of the supply chain whilst enhancing working capital, capital um, and settling suppliers early. Add to this um, area of optimization for our existing customers is our online um, program facilities utilization, which is now standard across Europe. Equally, we have enhanced access to a number of European currencies through one setup, either from the UK or from France for our continental European customers. So corporates are truly in control um, and increasingly using our programs to ma better manage their FX and cross-border payments in addition to domestic supplier payments. Thanks, Michel. So Guillaume, treasury transformation is more than just working capital optimization as we have all discussed already. So automation, centralization are also important concepts in the context of creating efficiencies. Thai Union, as you said, has embarked on an ambitious and a very far-reaching centralization program so far. Could you perhaps share with the audience some of what you have achieved in the region in this regard? Okay, uh, I, I confirm it was much more than working capital optimization. Um, actually, um, at Thai Union level, it was two main axes. The first one, uh, as you say, it was the cash uh, centralization. Get the opportunity uh, with HSBC. 
been born from a collaboration uh, between our cash center in Thailand and HSBC, we get the possi possibility to automatize the cash pool. Uh, so to get a fully automatized, integrated uh, cash centralization, at least where it was possible to open a uh, HSBC account. So we're working that way today. We are still improving with the process. You know, this is uh, still ongoing because we have always to align and to adjust a little bit uh, daily credit limit, but it's moving in the right direction. The other point was to um, think about payment securization. I'm talking about order to cash. In that way, we wanted to automatize the system as well. Um, today, the idea was to automatize the process of payment order and to, to, to book the invoice and to get the possibility to pay through our ERP to, uh, directly to, to the bank portal. And for this reason, we have implemented during the last six or seven months uh, SFTP solution, the North to Us solution uh, between, um, between all our entities and the different banks we are working with, and mainly HSBC for sure. So this is the two main axes for, for us at this stage. And of course, the first one was the cash centra uh, centralization, which was mandatory uh, from the beginning uh, for for Thailand entity, I, I mean for the, the Thailand the, the Thai um, holding, and we are totally aligned, you know, at group level uh, in that uh, in that move to to make sure that the cash is fully centralized in Thailand. Thank you, Guillaume. Michel, can you give any insight into what you are seeing in Europe? Well, in fact, I think Guillaume has said it all, right? Um, <laughs> so, in fact, what we see with our customers when they embark upon a project of this na nature, it's, uh, it sort of starts off with rationalizing accounts and then how do I create efficiencies in my end-to-end -end processes? Um, I need to review uh, and simplify my IT systems, my bank connectivities as well. Guillaume was mentioning, you know, moving to host-to-host, -host, very important when we look at these types of projects. And overall, what they're looking to achieve is better visibility on cash and controls. Controls, controls are really important in, to, in today's world. But what we see is that as our corporate customers grow, they would look to centralize their treasury and their, and, uh, their cash functions. Um, and they look to put in these different types of, of controls step by step and define what the project will look like and what are the main milestones. There may be a target operating model they want to reach, but in fact, they may accept to go through initial milestones because there's a lot of change management involved. And they're look, going to look at different options. You know, are they going to put a payment factory in place? Should they have a shared service center? Where will they put their regional treasury center? Do they need an in-house bank module for their ERP? And should they go all the way to doing payments on behalf of for their, for their payments? So it's really a question, I think, when we have these discussions with our customers, is what's your business case, right, from a change management point of view? And what are the long-term benefits that you're looking to achieve? All of these are very important questions that, that, the, that our corporate customers will need to assess. So for us, what we look to do is really accompany our clients in this treasury transformation journey um, and, and help them um, evaluate on the different options. And we're really here to help our customers um, in, this, in this journey. Thank you. Michelle, can you give us an insight in what you are seeing in Europe? And in line with what we see with our customers today, uh, embarking upon these projects, it's really about looking at how to rationalize their account structures, 
create efficiencies uh, in their end-to-end -end processes. They will look to review their IT setup, their ERP systems. Um, Guillaume was talking a few moments ago about host-to-host, -host, so bank connectivities is really important. And overall, they're looking to improve their visibility on cash. In fact, what we see as corporates grow, um, they will look to centralize their treasury and cash functions because they need to add efficiencies and better controls. Then it comes to uh, the decision of how such a project should be implemented and what are the main milestones. So there may be a target operating objective that they want to achieve, but in the meantime, there are intermediary milestones that they will position uh, as, as they go on this journey. And there are a lot of options to look at and customers will determine whether or not they need a payment factory or a shared service center, where they should position their regional treasury centers, um, and should they also look at on behalf of payment structures. So it's really often in these discussions a, a question of what is the business case of change management and what are the long-term benefits that the corporate organization is looking to achieve. And there are numerous considerations to assess, among which where to localize the shared service center, for example, in the case of Europe. And um, it, we often see that our customers will position these shared service centers in Eastern European countries. But when it comes to the regional treasury centers, they will look at financial hubs like Germany, France, Netherlands, and Ireland. So for us at HSBC, what we look to do is to help our customers in that journey and, and help them in their international business. And we really want to relay the experience that we see from the market um, on these different options. And, and I think it, it's about understanding the organization. And, and, and we have talked about this in a few moments ago, Guillaume was saying it required a lot of you know, internal work you know, to, to put these, this, uh, uh, the own account, you know, the Thai Union uh, account rationalization and centralization in place. So all very important in an organization. So on the topic of optimizing and centralizing cash management in Europe, so would it be fair to say that securing the supply chain is a big topic for our clients, Michelle? I think it is in today's uh, challenging environment. I think strengthening the relationship with suppliers is absolutely key. Um, and so what we see, for example, with our commercial cards um, um, program and customers, how they use it, this brings a lot of uh, flexibility in the procurement process. And it equally helps in optimizing working capital, as we were just talking a few moments ago. So the, the impact on the, uh, of the crisis, in fact, uh, really, really uh, showed how important it was to be agile and, and flexible. And a lot of procurement officers actually turned to corporate cards as an alternative uh, to their procurement process. And if you take the example of a, of a manufacturing of furniture and you need a specific bolt, and that specific bolt is produced by a supplier in Asia, maybe during the pandemic, that could have been a problem. So many corporates now are turning to, to card payments as, as a source of, of, of another means of getting um, other suppliers in other parts of the world and moving their procurement in a much more agile manner, as well as managing their risks since uh, transactions are fully protected against fraud. So I think it's really important in today's world for corporates when they're looking at their uh, supplier relationships is to secure that supply chain and make sure that they can have an undisrupted um, and continual uh, production cycle. And so we often recommend to our customers that may have credit lines on travel and expenses on their card programs to actually repurpose their credit lines and use the commercial cards for procurements. So yeah, I think it's really important this relationship with, with suppliers. Um, 
And, and in fact, I'm, I'm sure Donatien, that in the trade um, environment, you see exactly the same thing, right? Yeah, you're right, Michel, I think exactly the same. So the pandemic that we have experienced, or I should say that we are still experiencing is putting a lot of pressure on the overall supply chain of our clients. So factory have been closed to, as you said, impossibility of getting spare parts from fine suppliers. We are seeing a real shift from the just-in-time into the just-in-case, and large group, large multinational are rethinking their supply chain and relocating sourcing. So this is also accelerated by the recent rise in transport costs. Like as an example, uh, the cost to move a 40-feet container from Rotterdam to Shanghai has increased to $10,000, which is five times the historical average. So the concept of ecosystem is becoming critical and under pressure of shareholders and government, companies are trying to incentivize their partner to adhere to best practice in terms of ESG. Bank, like HSBC, are committed to support those efforts and we are adjusting our solution to integrate ESG element into it. As an example, supply chain. So your best rated supplier can benefit from improved pricing. So if they are best in class, they will have access to better pricing. So we use ESG as a key element in our supply chain program. Great, thank you very much. So probably if we start with answering a few questions, so I'll actually take the first one myself as it is an interesting one and an important one, obviously. So the question says, could you say a few words on HSBC's role and commitment to the region? Yeah, well, throughout our more than 150 years of history, HSBC has been where the growth is and connecting customers to opportunities and enabling businesses to thrive and economies to prosper and helping people to fulfill their ambitions. Europe uh, is a region, as a region, is a fundamental part of the global economy, representing 25% of the global GDP and nearly 40% of global trade. So HSBC clearly wants to provide a new momentum to its European operations. So our strategy is very clear. We want to be the leading international bank in Europe, and we have a pivotal role and purpose helping to connect East and West within the HSBC group. So we have our strong and valuable European wholesale franchise complemented by a targeted wealth business. Our customers are benefiting from partnering with one of the financially strongest banks who knows the respective local regulatory framework extremely well and has a close dialogue with direct access to the regulators in most of the countries and possesses a proven excellent track record in supporting our customers global, regionally, as well as with local operations. So we're focusing on our wholesale footprint that serves international customers on both sides of the corridor, which in fact means helping our customers with their business expansions from Europe into Asia, but also from Asia into Europe. So in December 2020, we announced that HSBC France and all its 10 European branches took the legal name of HSBC Continental Europe to demonstrate we're working as one region across the individual markets. We're continuously investing into our transaction banking franchise in Europe, which has a very strong linkage to ASA and vice versa. And finally, we're simplifying our operating model to make it even easier and more convenient for our customers to bank with us. So the next question is uh, for you, I think, Guillaume, you're the best to answer that. So what should an Asian corporate coming into Europe look out for? This is not an easy one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to uh, try to answer taking into account our experience. I think from a business point of view, uh, it's important to look for commercial and investment reason to expand markets. Thinking about proximity with supplier, with raw materials, and in our case, um, mainly with customers and consumers. Treasury and finance point of view, uh, I think we have to be focused on the, of the global treasury center, the relationship between the global treasury center 
and the regional treasury center to optimize the works, the funding, the expertise, and to create synergy. It was, it was, it was very important for us at the beginning. And overall, it's important to, as well, you know, to be able to implement a streamlined process and uh, integrated system among the group to, to have a better visibility, thinking about my colleagues in, uh, in Thailand, to, to give them the opportunity to get better visibility on the business and activity in Europe. And in that way, it's uh, very important to, uh, to create automation uh, and, you know, automated system and process uh, to build a sustainable financing management. This is the main point for me. Great. Thank you, Guillaume. And uh, we're obviously you. happy and proud to have helped you on that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank um, you. The next question uh, is for you, Donatien. So what do you think could be the main roadblock for Asian corporates and optimizing their working capital in Europe? So I think in, in Europe and, you know, especially within HSBC, all the financial tools are available to support you on that journey. But my experience or our experience on the roadblock is more based on something I mentioned earlier, which is internal engagement and culture. So working capital optimization uh, is not only a treasury uh, uh, issue or topic, it's involving procurement sales and IT. And sometimes they may have conflict, conflicted interests. So you need to put everybody at the table and sponsorship from senior management is, is essential to me. So the most advanced company has also invested in technology to streamline internal processes like invoicing, collection, reconciliation, forecasting. And we see really a boom in digitalization uh, accelerated by the recent situation that we are living, uh, working from home, people need to have a better system. So I would say HSBC has huge expertise on the ground and we are committed to accompany your sustainable expansion in Europe. A few questions on transformation, treasury transformation projects, including the acceptance of car payments. Michel, in a few words, what are the constraints with centralizing into one geographical hub? Has the pandemic impacted such projects? And finally, is a commercial car program the right choice when car payments are not accepted everywhere? Thank you, Andres. A lot of good questions there. I'd like to start off by saying, in fact, with the Euro, uh, we've seen a lot of these projects um, kick off um, with our customers over the years and often centralizing into the hubs of the Netherlands and Ireland, but also other European countries, depending on business models. But there are um, situations or things that just can't happen. You can't centralize necessarily everything into one account. It doesn't always work that way. For example, in the retail se sector where there's bricks and mortars and cash and checks, in that, in that case, it's really important to have accounts locally so that that cash and checks can be collected locally. Equally, there are countries where payments need to be made from an account in that country. And that's the case for Spain and Italy when it comes to tax payments. So this is part of the exercise of assessing what that model needs to look like that the, or the milestones when we look at centralization. And what about the pandemic? That was one of the questions. Well, yes, some of these projects were put on hold because customers had other things to worry about, and notably managing um, their liquidity. And the focus was on, for a lot of customers, uh, on the adoption of digital uh, projects. For example, the e-signatures for internal authentication of, of transactions. Um, 
but maybe just on the last point on on commercial card um, and and you know Donatien and I think throughout this session today we've talked about the importance of assessing you know these programs and getting all the right people around the table um, and, and and putting in place the business case to the transformation whether it be commercial cards receivables financing or centralization really important but I guess on the point of the acceptance of the card what we're seeing is, and, and what we're offering to, to our customers, is that in the case where cards aren't accepted, we can actually look at, 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 at paying through um, um, transfers. So this, um, this is an evolution of, of the card program where we actually drop the payment into the supplier's bank account. So there are a lot of um, possibilities when it comes to working capital optimization, when it comes to putting in place these programs. It's really about looking at the options and, and making sure it fits with the corporate's organization. Thank you, Michelle. So we're coming to the end of our session today, probably. Uh, I hope you find this session helpful for you and for your businesses. A big thank you to our panelists and in particular to our special guest, Guillaume. Thank you for being with us today. We hope that you've gained a broad experience and perspective on what's happening in Europe and hopefully take away some ideas of how your organization can leverage some of these themes. So I have to say goodbye for now and I'm wishing you all the best. Stay safe and have a good day. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Talks Business. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please do subscribe to the HSBC Talks Business channel to stay up to date with new episodes.